3: Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8:30 on Thursday, January 4th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, what's behind the growth in state revenues? Find out how legislators are responding to a possible change in the economic outlook.
4: The national economy is getting stronger. It's very obvious that it is. And at some point in time, that should impact Mississippi's revenues.
3: Then emergency response could be improving with the state's new communication system, how FirstNet could help those living in the more remote parts of Mississippi. And if you resolve to lose weight, find out how much physical activity you need to stay fit in the new year. Plus, meet Mississippi author Chauncey Kitchens in today's book club. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. As Mississippi lawmakers determine how to divvy up dollars for state agencies, there are some signs the state may be turning a corner on tax revenue. Herb Frierson is Commissioner of Revenue at the State Department of Revenue. He says they're seeing what could be an uptick in tax receipts based on an increase in sales and income tax revenues in November and December. But he tells MPB's Desiree Fraser it's too soon to tell if it will continue.
4: Potentially, it's there. It seems that income tax and sales tax are getting a little stronger. That's the bulk of our revenue. That's probably sixty percent of our revenue right there. And those returns are getting a little stronger now. Whether the trend's going to hold is a matter of future. Only the future knows.
5: When did you start noticing a change?
4: November. We ran some graphs and all, and it kind of jumped off the paper at us that it was slowly ticking up.
5: And how much of an increase are you seeing?
4: Right now, we feel pretty good about saying we're going to make the estimate. If the trend continues, we could exceed the estimate.
5: What's the estimate?
4: The estimate is the amount of money that we estimate in collecting general fund dollars, the, the $5 billion some some odd amount. And we want to make the estimate. That way, you don't have to cut at the end of the fiscal year. So if we make the estimate, that means we get out of this fiscal year without having to make any cuts. If we exceed the estimate, that would be additional dollars for the legislature to appropriate.
5: And when you talk about uh, this uptick, you said it's too soon to tell if it's going to continue. So how do you put that into the thinking for budgeting? And Well,
4: I'm sure that in March the legislative leadership will ask the Revenue Estimating Committee to meet again. And at that point in time, we should know that if this upward tick is a continuation or if it was just an anomaly.
5: Tell us, there is some uptick in revenue?
4: The national economy is getting stronger. It's very obvious that it is. And at some point in time, that should impact Mississippi's revenues. And I'm hoping the trend we just talked about is we're seeing the impact starting to happen. And if that is, then we should have a little bit stronger growth in our
5: revenues. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you.
3: Republican Senator Buck Clark of Hollandale chairs the Appropriations Committee. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser how the budget process is taking place.
6: We call it the LBR. You know, we, we like acronyms around here, but that's the Legislative Budget Recommendation. And that was produced by the Joint Legislative Budget Committee, which is House and Senate members. And it's our first, I guess you'd say, the first action of the budget for FY19. And there really is a process that we go through, an objective process that we go through at the at the onset of the budget process. We take uh, the requests that the agencies have made, and we really start with their FY18 number. And then we have a set of guidelines that the Legislative Budget Office uses to then structure the budget for next year. It produces our starting point.
5: What are we talking about in terms of total um, general fund budget?
6: Well, the the revenue estimate, it's really level funding. The Revenue Estimating Committee, which is made up of the state economists and Department of Finance and Administration, Department of Revenue, all those people who see our revenues come in, get together, and they give our committee their estimate of what the revenues are. And they're essentially saying, ah, it's going to be the same. Uh, That was their initial estimate. So that's what we're going with. Um, So... We've got two percent versus one percent set aside to look at. Um, so that that kind of drives. We know the, the pie. We can't spend more than the pie. Well,
5: how much is the pie?
6: It's right at six billion. I, I think the the estimate for FY nineteen is like one point five million less than FY eighteen, which that's like point oh oh three percent, something like it. it's very minimal, almost nothing. You know, it really falls within the set aside amount. So. Uh, it's, it's like the budget we're building right now is essentially the same money we use for FY18.
5: And we just heard that we may be on the uptick in terms of revenue.
6: That's what I'm hearing. December numbers are just now coming out. Uh, looks like we had a strong collection, uh, sales tax, uh, corporate income tax, and the individual income tax. They're all trending upward. Is what we're hearing. Uh, we know we keep seeing about our unemployment numbers. How this lowest it's been in. Twenty-something years, and uh, when when your unemployment is low, uh, that means more people are working, more people are receiving paychecks. I know the the withholding tax numbers have been very strong, so that means that's money into consumers' pockets, which then drives sales tax, which is our largest sale uh, revenue uh, coming in. So all that's very positive for. Of the
5: state. There have been struggles in the past couple of years with funding state agencies and, and mid year cuts. Do you anticipate any of that?
6: Uh, no, I don't. Which my, my stomach has been a, 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 at ease a lot better this year than it has the last couple of years. And it's just knowing that I think things have leveled off. Our economy has gotten stronger here in Mississippi. You know, we, we kind of trail the federal level, The the federal economy. Has been getting better for the last couple of years, and they always say Mississippi trails with the Fed, what's going on in the rest of the nation. And so I think we're maybe we're catching up there, and uh, maybe we can. I hope this is sustainable, and we we can keep moving forward. Again, it's just a reflection of what's going on out there in our state's economy.
5: Thank you so much. We appreciate you and your time. Thank you. Appreciate talking to y'all always,
3: Senator Buck Clark with our Desiree Frazier. Funding for fiscal year 2019 will stay the same for most agencies. In other news, first responders are hoping a new federal program will offer them better network coverage while handling their day-to-day operations. The first responder network authority and at and are building a wireless broadband communications network for Mississippi's public safety community at no cost to the state. The national program will create an entire broadband network to better help agencies communicate and use modern technology. John Pope heads the city of Collins Fire Department and serves as president of the State Firefighters Association. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the new network will help the state move forward. You know,
7: we're still finding out a lot of information on it. The big push was the initial uh, information that was out, but I think it's going to be one of those things that it's definitely going to be a, a support um, thing. It's going to be something extra um, that our responders can just be able to see Exactly how best to implement it into their uh, operations, and um, I think you know we've definitely uh, commend Governor Bryant for uh, going ahead and opting into it uh, with the other states. He's definitely a proponent of public safety and supporter of public safety responders throughout the state. So this is just another way that the state of Mississippi. Is working to help its first, first responders and public safety responders to better respond to and serve the citizens of the state of Mississippi and keep them safe.
2: You mentioned um, the fact a large area of Mississippi is rural. Can you kind of talk about what it's like to respond in those areas?
7: A majority of Mississippi is a is a rural state. We do have several you know large municipalities and highly populated counties but a majority of our uh, area of the state is, is rural in nature. Uh, that means that, you know, communications is, is critical for being able to, to get uh, data that you need or information that you need when responding to emergencies. And then also when you're calling on additional resources for assistance, communication and radio networks has always been a difficulty in the past simply because you're, rural communications, you're further away from your radio network towers. Now, the state of Mississippi post-Hurricane Katrina developed and implemented the Mississippi Wireless Communication System, or the MISWIM system. Now, MISWIM is is fully operational. is one of the very first ones of its kind in the nation. So, Mississippi has has led the charge in communications for our public safety responders and has been in the vanguard post-Hurricane Katrina. All state agencies on the Miss Wind system. Many of your uh, cities and counties have gone to Miss Wind. You know, so what firstNet going to do is it's going to supplement and help to uh, even you know more reinforce the radio network that Mississippi already led the charge on. Um, so to work hand in hand. Um, if you take, for instance, you know we have a lot of natural disasters that we deal with in the state of Mississippi. Uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, and all of the like. When our responders respond to these types of emergencies, which are outside of their normal responsibilities for fire department for responding to motor vehicle accidents and to fires and such, all those things they tax the old communications ways that we that we did things. What the first net system is going to do is give us access to even more information. In addition to supplementing the communication capabilities, it'll allow us to, to access real-time some of that information that we may need when responding to situations. If we have another Hurricane Katrina or a, another deadly or uh, serious tornado, as we had in North Mississippi, the first-net system is going to be able to give some additional accesses through um, applications and apps and devices that they're going to be rolling out, as we understand it, just to give another level. of of access to that information uh, to better support public safety responders throughout the state of Mississippi.
2: Chief John Pope, President of Mississippi Firefighter Association, thank you again so much.
7: Thank you very much.
3: Governor Phil Bryant says in a statement the network will provide first responders with the tools they need to keep Mississippians safe. He hopes it will particularly impact rural areas. Coming up, is weight loss on the top of your New Year's resolutions list? Get a few Southern Remedy tips on getting and staying fit in 2018. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: On the next Creature Conference, we welcome Scott Lemons from the Nature Conservancy. As director of the freshwater programs for the Nature Conservancy, Lemons manages all freshwater conservation efforts. He'll talk with us about how his organization and you can help promote proper use of one of the state's greatest resources. So join us on the next Creature Comforts this morning at 9, only on MPB Think Radio.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Health-related New Year's resolutions are likely to be at the top of many lists, especially in Mississippi, where health outcomes are often poor. According to the 2017 State of Obesity Report, the state has the second-highest adult's obesity rate in the nation. With large numbers of adults diagnosed with diabetes, cancer, and heart disease, weight loss is a top resolution for many. Josie Bidwell is Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventative Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She tells MPB Ezra Wall, she wants Mississippians to pursue fitness starting with a strong foundation. Guidelines for physical activity are going to be
8: 30 minutes a day, five days out of the week of aerobic activity. And so that's things that get our heart pumping and help us breathe deeper and so that can be as easy as walking it doesn't have to be a gym membership it doesn't have to be on the treadmill or the elliptical or the bike any of those things just walking but a nice pace to that walking now, the caveat to that is you don't go from sitting on the couch for the majority of your life to running a 5K in two months. That just doesn't happen. So we gradually increase you up. Let's just walk for 10 minutes a day for three days out of the week, and then add another day until you get up to five days a week, and then increase your time as you, until you get up to 30 minutes. And you can break it up. You know, Lots of folks say, I just don't have time to exercise. And you may not have a 30 minute chunk that you're able to do. But you can break it up into three 10 minute sessions throughout your day. And most folks can carve out 10 minutes to get up and get active. And so you could do 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunch, 10 minutes in the afternoon.
1: So let me let me take a situation that a lot of people are in, including myself. I'd like to exercise more. I walk the dog every day. Mm-hmm. That takes twenty five to forty five minutes, mm-hmm. depending on which direction we go, and with varying degrees of heart rate and strenuous. Right. Sometimes not that strenuous, depending on how fast the dog wants. to Right. Move, how right? many times he has to stop? But if somebody's already doing something like that and still doesn't feel like they're in the physical shape that they should be, and what what's a next step? If somebody's thinking of maybe going to the gym. Or getting with a trainer or doing some more intentional exercise?
8: Well, you know, I definitely recommend meeting with a trainer at least once. You don't have to hire a trainer and work out with them, but most gyms that keep um, personal trainers or fitness specialists on staff will offer you an orientation session. And so they will at least take you around and show you the different machines and how to use them safely. That's the most important part is making sure you know how to get on the machine and how how much weight would be appropriate for you to start with. Now, I do recommend folks that once they've gotten that 30 minutes a day, five days a week, go ahead and start to add in some muscle strengthening activities because the more lean muscle mass that you put on, actually the more calories that you're going to burn in your normal aerobic activity. Find you a gym that you feel comfortable in that you'll actually go to instead of just buying a gym membership and it just you wear that little key fob on your on your keychain that says hey I belong to this gym but you're not actually going now if you're self-conscious about going to the gym, You know, Southern Remedy has a great at home fitness program that's on our website. Um, so it's just mpbonline.org slash Southern Remedy. And when you go there, there's a little healthy living tab. You click on that and you'll see something called the fitness prescription. And it's got a walking program there that'll help you get up to your 30 minutes a day. And then there's also um, a muscle strengthening and a flexibility program on there that can be done completely at home using your own body weight. So that's often the place where folks need to start when they start to think about lifting weights. You don't actually have to use barbells and dumbbells and machines and that kind of stuff. Use your own body weight as resistance.
1: A friend of mine is a fitness trainer, and he posts YouTube videos of bodyweight exercise routines Mm -hmm. and yoga and Pilates and different things like that. Now, if I'm self-conscious about going to the gym, but say I've got room in my living room, is that a safe thing to try? Absolutely. You
8: know, again, find one that you like. Um, Look for things that start out at the beginner level you know i made the mistake of purchasing an intermediate pilates because i was like i'm in shape i can do this no i twisted myself into some little pretzel and then just laid there in the floor and whined for a little while so you know get something that you feel like you would enjoy doing and it may even help to have a buddy who uh, does it with you Then that's the accountability part of it so even if you're not going to a gym with a friend have a little at-home gym session with that friend
1: Dr. Josie Bidwell has been our guest this morning and she is Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She also is the host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit right here on MPB Think Radio. Josie, Happy New Year and, uh, Year. and have a great 2018.
3: Coming up, meet Mississippi author Chauncey Kitchens in today's book club. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi native Chauncey Kitchen says she hopes to broaden the spectrum on main characters... In children's books. Her recently released first book, entitled Meet Mackenzie Mason, is her first contribution to the goal. Inspired and determined to give her niece a story with a lead character she could identify with, Kitchens picked up her childhood hobby of writing and wrote a story with her niece as the main character. She says family and friends encouraged her to publish the book that originally started as a story for just her niece. Kitchens tells us more on her part in diversifying children's books.
2: My inspiration was my niece, Mackenzie. A couple years ago, I asked her what she wanted for Christmas, and she looked around and was like, you know, Auntie, I really just want books. So I went on a journey to find her a book that I thought she would really like because I know the types of books I like to read around her age when I was young. And when I went looking, there were not a lot of choices for uh, books with leading characters that were African-American girls. So I decided to pick up an old hobby of writing and just write one myself and make her the main character.
3: When you were a kid reading books, did you have any favorites that featured African-American characters at all? Um, I had
2: some, but just like what I saw uh, recently when I was looking for her, most of the characters weren't really main characters. I had a book when I was a little girl that was called Bright Eyes, Brown Skin. And it was the first book I remember reading that had African-American characters that looked just like me. And I was enamored with that book. I would take it everywhere, but I was little, like five. And as I grew up, I would read things like the Babysitter Club, where they had the one black character I would kind of identify with and gravitate towards. But I didn't have a book that featured an African-American character when I was young. I really didn't. And once I got older and tried to find a book for her, I realized the issue really still existed.
3: What age group is this book geared towards?
2: It's good for third through fifth graders. So I say around eight to 10, seven to 10, depending on reading level. But what I found is that a lot of people are buying it and reading it to younger kids and are reading a chapter a night because it does have black and white illustrations and it has big font, so it's easy to read. And some older kids, too, because unfortunately a lot of children aren't reading on grade level. So even though you might be in middle school, this book might still be right up your alley for reading. So it can, it, third to fifth grade is the target audience for
3: it. In the book, Who is Mackenzie Mason? Mackenzie is a
2: 10-year-old fourth grader who has just transferred to the Davis School for performing arts. Her mom got a new job downtown. She had to transfer school to be closer to her. And she is getting adjusted to this new school. She's going for dance and piano. So to her surprise, she has to audition for the big back-to-school play. And she has extreme stage fright. So it goes through a lot of twists and turns, but it's a great story about overcoming your fears and, you know, facing those obstacles we all had in life.
3: Are all the characters in the book African-American.
2: All the characters are not African-American. In the book, she actually transferred from Parkside Elementary School. And it doesn't go deep into Parkside, but it was a school that was more mixed because she goes to the Davis School for Performing Arts and almost has culture shock because so many kids look just like her. So actually, her two best friends in the book are two Caucasian girls, uh, Sarah and Amy. So they're not all um, African-American characters.
3: What has been the reception to your book?
2: The reception has been overwhelmingly good. I have met uh, children who say, oh, my God, when I saw her, she was just like me. Or because I saw Mackenzie do this in the book and made me audition for this at camp this summer. Uh, there are parents who have also ran into the same issue of trying to find books for their children that feature characters who look like them. So it's been a lot of appreciation for writing and a lot of excitement and everybody just asking when's the next one? <laughs> and to just developing ideas for the series.
3: That was my next question. Is it going to be a series? So have yeah, you have you started the second book or are you still I- gathering uh ideas?
2: I actually, when I started writing, I guess I really had a fear for it because I wrote the second book literally a month after I wrote the first one. So it's just sitting on the shelf waiting for a year and a half for me to develop it. So I'm looking for an illustrator now to get pictures, but the book is written. I just have to edit it and polish it up, but I wrote it right after the first one. Well, it won't really be a year and a half. Even though I wrote the book a while ago, I actually didn't publish it until this past June, so it's only been out uh, for about six months now. And the next book, usually about a year, you know, each book when I see the children's market, sometime even uh, longer for those big ones like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. It could be a couple of years or more in between books. I think you give each book time to have its legs and people to find it, especially since I was a new author. I wanted to give myself that time to develop it and, you know, establish a platform for myself. So I think it'll come right on time, probably around summer 2018 is what I'm shooting for.
3: Do you expect you'll influence other writers to focus on African-American lead characters?
2: I sure hope so. I've actually, since I published, I've had a few people that I know, or even some who found me, who said, Hey, I've been wanting to write a book for a long time. You know, I've had these ideas. How did you do it? How did you self publish it? So I do think, if not even the children's books specifically, I think Black authors writing, I've had some inspiration into. And I hope there are others, and even kids, because I've met kids and I've spoken. I really want to write. You know, I really like that you wrote this. How did you do it? And they asked some really good questions. So I I would like to think that I will play a role in inspiring other Black authors.
3: This book is called Meet Mackenzie Mason. We're going to hear about, well, more of her in the future. This book, (laughs) Meet Mackenzie Mason, and the author is Chauncey Kitchens. Chauncey, best of luck. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10 o'clock, Season Pass. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
0: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.